0: Welcome. You've made it tough, shit. Podcast puts first world problems into perspective. We're your hosts. I am Corey. I'm (laughs) (laughs) got your hands up over there.
1: I'm ready to uncoil my honey tongue. What? (laughs) I'm pushing through this pop filter and just drip gold. What's your goddamn name, Chris? (laughs) And I've been doing some voice things. And I've been listening to an audio book that takes place in Georgia, so I'm doing like a little Southern thing.
0: Oh, sweet child! Yes, do declare. That's 1935. Oh, okay, that but. sounds fun. And he- <laughs> so yeah, you've made it, to tough shit. We're your hosts, Corey and Chris. Uh, check us out at Instagram uh, at Tough Shit the You may have noticed it's changed. Uh, it used to be TS Podcast official. Now it's Tough Shit the Podcast.
1: Oh, that's right. Wait, and we're dipping our
0: toes into the pool of the devil, the book of the face. Yes, you can find us on Facebook. Please do us a huge favor. We're trying to get that build up. It is at Tough Shit the podcast. Just look us up and check it out. That being said, you may have noticed there's a few things different going on for our more astute listeners and followers. Uh, but we're going to be addressing that all next week. So make sure you're tuned in. We'll uh, we'll surprise you with some magical things and whatnot. I don't even like saying Facebook, <laughs> but
1: okay. Without getting into it at all, I uh, we're just we're I'm, it's an, it's a necessary evil, I think. Yes. Is that what I'm trying to say? Yes. Okay. All right. That, that's, that's all I'm gonna true. say. Yeah, yep. Things are happening. Yeah.
0: Shaking things up. Oh yeah. The blanket fort studios has an upgrade. Bought some harbor freight shipping blankets and a grommet kit and some hooks and they're hanging off the wall and it's actually working really well.
1: I'm not I'm not a fan of harbor
0: freight. <laughs> it's Cheap. That's the only reason I went there. I think it's because the, uh, the the PRC hooked me up on this one.
1: A man that I work with loves it so much, and that bothers me. I don't know why. There's times that when somebody else likes something a lot, for some reason, I'm irritated by that. And I I don't think that's
0: right. I'm not saying it's right. Cause you're Mister Counterculture, like yeah, against the grain, right? I don't know, not really. I'm wearing a disc golf shirt right now. (laughs) Manny just got me this. Do you like it? Unplug, it says, and it's got one of those chain net things. It's a fucking basket. Oh, they're called baskets? Yeah. Do you play basketball? No. God Uh, damn it. Do you golf basketballs? No,
1: but there is this great show that Manny follows where they say, what is it called? Will it par, where they just throw things at disc golf baskets to see if it'll make it in, like frozen pizzas, chicken,
0: soccer balls, stuff like that. That's interesting. I've never Mm -hmm. heard of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Continue. All right. Yeah. Uh, make sure you're following us on Spotify. You, you could leave a rating, or you can follow us on Pandora or Apple or wherever you get podcasts. Just make sure you're following us. That would be huge. And make sure you share the show. That's the best way to help us out. And on that note, that covers all the topics. All, yeah, all the bullshit. All the bullshit. So yeah, it's done for now. All right. You want to get into this topic? Yes. Today's topic for all the people who read the title while looking for this episode its co workers.
1: I'm just going to say right up top because I was thinking about it's not going to make any sense with the things I have to say about Mm this without knowing what mine's definitely delves deep into uh, workplace shootings. So (laughs) I've had a lot of workplace shooting stuff on my mind lately. So wherever this goes, intro and so on. It's going to be tainted with that, and that's why.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Without giving your story away, a lot of workplace shootings. Okay. All right. So let's see. Stupid pop up. Get out of here. All right. Topics. Coworkers. You know, the stinky guy in the cubicle next to you, or maybe your good friend who's riding shotgun with you uh, on your way to the next job site. Could be anyone, really. Uh, you want the definition? Oh yeah, fucking tell me the
1: definition of a coworker. This is why I do this show is to learn something, and usually I learn it within the
0: first couple minutes. So go right ahead. There's a lot of times you learn during the show. What? All right. What do you think the proper definition is? A, this, co- of Mr. a coworker. Mister smarty Pants. Hi, my the name pro- is Chris. I like to read a lot of books. <laughs> the proper definition. <laughs> the proper definition of a coworker. Do you yes. like really? Yeah. See how spin close it. I get? All right. Let's see. Okay.
1: Off the top of my head, I would say a coworker. Definition of coworker is someone so horrible that you have to be paid to be near them. That's wrong. Okay.
0: Never mind. Uh Uh-huh. It is a person with whom one works, typically someone in a similar role or at a similar level within an organization. That is a coworker. Okay. That's what I thought. (laughs) Okay. I know some of us have first world complaints involving coworkers. We used to be coworkers. Well, technically, we kind of are now. Like, if we, yeah, I we, about, yeah, oh, we still are. Coworkers. I was thinking about yeah. that
1: earlier, because if we ever made money off of this, we technically would be coworkers. We do. It's just very limited, so we're coworkers in one way, shape, or form. Yeah. So I have spent no small amount of time I actually wrote out. So when I do, so like if I did a workplace shooting, it would just be right now. Okay. It would just be you and I. So unless I killed myself afterward, I'd just be killing you, and like, so there's a possibility.
0: So this is your first world complaint. Your your first world is a shooting, a workplace shooting. No,
1: I've got some other ones. Oh, okay. I got a list of horrible coworkers. Oh, but I'm just saying. Okay. Like, I could shoot you. (laughs) Could you? Yeah, I could. (laughs) Actually, fuck that. No. Okay, let's say. I You don't can, have the guts, you pussy. Yeah, but the thing is that's that's <laughs> the so beyond the death being the problem with workplace shootings, I feel like there's no creativity. It's usually it's lazy, just with a yeah. gun. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if I was going to do it, like I would I don't know, I'm a
0: fantasy guy.
1: So and like I would use a
0: sword. Axe. Yeah. An axe and all what, right. ax. I'll tell you what. So next time you come in here and you're distraught with, with your axe ready to kill me. I'll yes. be
1: sure to shoot you. Yeah, but I'll have magic, too. Uh,
0: that's not real, but Well, okay. it is.
1: But stop it. This is my shooting. Not a shooting. I'm killing oh. you.
0: But right, I No would... one's shooting anyone. First world complaints. <laughs> <laughs> some, some coworkers can be rude or nosy. They can clog the shitter weekly and blame it on someone else. Uh, they might cook fish in the break room microwave or backstab you for a better position. Uh, they could be way too annoying or pass off their work onto you or blame their fuck-ups on others to save face. They might steal parking spots, play uh, petty pranks on others, drink all the coffee, constantly show up late, gossip like high school girls, and on and on and on. A ton of, a ton of petty shit that goes on with your coworkers, driving you nuts. Correct? Yeah. <laughs> yes. All Are right. Are you done? Do you have a real personal story? Because yes. I, I know you've been involved in so many so I've work worked in a shootings. lot of different places. Yeah, I've... not really.
1: <laughs> I've had some horrible coworkers. And you're right. The pooping ones
0: are the worst. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, because you've clogged every toilet in Salamanca, New York. Yes.
1: Uh, well, <laughs> that's so that, like, a list of bad coworkers. I put myself on there. I think I have it on here. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I got a little thing. I, on that. Looking back, I guess if I were working with me, there's times that. I could have not been the best. I would have coworker. fired my ass a long time ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there was, we were supposed to go out and do canvassing. I go to the antique mall and hang out, or go to the library, or like I just just didn't want to do anything. You know yeah. what I mean? But yeah, there's a lot of bad ones. There's stinky ones. There's loud ones. There's oh, you know what I hate? What what people who no uh, mm. um how do I put this? <laughs> so people who smoke at work that drives me nuts. Because they feel like they get more breaks than the it's, rest of us.
0: Well, yes, I agree. They'll sneak out for for having a cig. But uh, it's kind of nice because the amount of smokers I've noticed in our area and even like our work is pretty low. It does seem
1: to have dropped. Yes. Well, so think about
0: nice. when you go for a walk, like the amount of cigarette butts you used to see laying around. You don't see that. No. It's kind of nice. I mean, you see vape cartridges. <laughs> well, that's the But thing. even last, I, don't I don't know much about. I have much. a
1: younger coworker now and he was explaining vaping to me. Does he chew your vape? No, I don't Choo-choo. think so now. No. But from what I understand, a lot of high schoolers do. Yeah. It's quite a problem. And so I'd rather they vape than smoke cigarettes. I don't no, but though. then they throw the vape thing away. So it's creating even more waste. Am I wrong? What's or wrong- do they recycle it?
0: Well, I think you get a, like, a vape unit and you put liquid in it. But what about the ones that you just throw out? Aren't there disposable There vape are pens? disposables, and I think it's... I don't know. I'm
1: irritated by this upcoming generation that supposedly is very concerned about the environment and is just throwing pens all over the place. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like
0: typical kids, they're idiots. Okay, so anyway. Say it all the time. <laughs> you're an idiot until you're 30.
1: <laughs> I was still fucking stupid at 30. Yeah, um, yeah agreed.
0: So, yeah. Bad
1: coworkers on my end. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I you've gonna, been one. You said yeah. I've mentioned one numerous times, and I finally dawned on me today that since he has since passed away, maybe I should stop.
0: Take it easy on the guy who's dead and can't defend himself. Exactly. So
1: we'll <laughs> we'll gloss over him because he, he's pretty bad. R.I.P. Um,
0: yeah. I had a guy. I remember when I was a kid, and
1: I was working at a restaurant not far from here, and the, we were children. Like I think I was twelve when I started there, just doing dishes, and there was a chef. Oh, well, I could call him a chef. He's a fucking. He cook. was a line cook. He was a yeah. cook. he would whip us kids with wet paper or not paper towel. Whip wet towels hard in the backs of our legs, like our calves, yeah. till we bled. And like at the time, like this is just working. This is what happens everywhere. This child, child People abuse. in offices doing this right now. But now, if I like, if I was a child that went and got whipped at work yeah. till they
0: bled, it'd be on the news. I mean, it's it does happen in third world countries still. Well, it
1: happened to me. <laughs> yeah. It would be
0: on the news now. And I got one other one. I got
1: one other one. This guy, his okay, I won't say his name. I'll say it was the same name as me, but he sucked. <laughs> it was this big fat fucker that <laughs> he was such a bastard. He was so mean. I, you probably know who I'm talking about. He's one of the meanest people I've Ever met. Just a, you know how somebody says, I have a black soul. Like if people can see things and they look at a person and Just they say dark like it's a cloud bad person. dark cloud over Bad person. Best thing that ever happened though around him, this was my rent-to-own days. Yeah. Delivering furniture. I saw a woman throw a Bible at his head and heard him right in the face. He was so mad, he turned tomato red and started screaming at this woman. I thought he was going to kill her. That's awesome. He didn't. But yeah. I don't think I heard that story. Yeah. That was from your rent-to-own mm-hmm. days?
0: Yep. Oh, yeah. wow. Those are probably the worst ones. You need to write a book just on those years. Yeah, I know. I try to not think about it. You well, keep fucking about it. dredging it up for me. Oh, it's great. Like, you got to watch a factory burn down. Oh, that's right.
1: I've yeah. seen a factory burn down. I've seen a Pizza Hut burn down. Um,
0: Did you see the Subway burn down? No,
1: that's what I was talking about, the Subway. Yeah. I was across the street at the liquor store. Why well, do I keep doing that Southern thing? Sorry. <laughs> I was standing outside with a bottle of gin. I wasn't drinking it. I just bought it and watching a subway burn to the ground.
0: Yeah. But that wasn't at your rent-to-own days. No, that
1: had nothing to do with anything. No. no. So, no, that's all I got, I think.
0: Okay, that's pretty good. Thanks. Uh, all right. So, personal stories. Uh, like I said, I know I've been a shit coworker in the past, especially when I was a teenager. Uh, I was always late. And once I recalled, <laughs> all right, you might, you'll know what I'm talking about. I recall showing up at a coworker's house at 6 a.m. to pick him up. To, we had to go to a job site and be there at the same time. And he was still shit-faced from the night before. Uh, so he called the foreman with this scheme and said his upstairs toilet had broke and was flooding. It was flooding his kitchen, which it wasn't, and that I was going to help him fix it before we came in. When in reality uh he just went back upstairs and went to bed and i just chilled on his couch watching tv for like two hours and he finally got up and we laughed were you ever found out where i was i found yeah, out yeah Were well you found out did they find out you were lying once we got to work the foreman was he pretty much knew the dude and me like yeah you guys are full of shit you're just fucking being losers but he didn't come right out he's like oh did you get your toilet fixed or whatever um but also it's it's kind of funny because we're like we were both shitty coworkers when you stop and look at it and looking back that dude was a terrible influence on me growing up. You know who I'm talking about? I do. Yes. Yeah, it, it, this is the same dude who convinced me to steal cigarettes out of another coworker's truck so he could smoke them. That's a bad person. <laughs> yeah, I and I was like that I was a lot younger when that happened. But I was like, still, a, I don't know, I might have been thirteen or something. He's like, yeah, just go ahead and do it, no big deal. And i was like, oh, okay, yeah, you know. And I want to be the the cool coworker. But yeah, he was a he was a very poor influence on me growing up. I don't sensed, steal things. You don't steal things anymore, right? No, <laughs> fuck what I. Thirty eight, gonna be thirty nine soon. No, I don't need to steal shit. I've never stolen anything. I just I don't know the whole you idea. Never makes me, stole I don't think anything? I
1: thinking back because we had some friends who did some shoplifting. One in particular who I remember bought or he stole a whole. Oh, pile you of, got him busted! you were well, supposed to be lookout. You know, well, so I remember what? No, this is a different. One. one of them they stole a whole bunch of. Um, I won't say who. I know they stole a whole bunch of phone cards. Remember phone cards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're. Oh, I don't have to worry about it because there's only people thirty-five to forty that are listening to the show, plus our parents. So yeah, phone cards. He'd steal a whole bunch of them, but then you got to activate them at the register, so it doesn't matter. It was useless. Yeah. Yeah, It was a it was a risk. If you looked at the like
0: the risk, it just wasn't worth the risk. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you are a bad coworker in crime. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So we got that out of our systems. If you get the gist of it, I hope you get the gist of it at this point. Coworkers, some are great, some are bad. Um. But we're gonna get into nobody's
1: worse than ones we're gonna talk about today. I bet, except for me. I don't know. Mine's pretty fucked up. Oh, that's what I just thought of real quick, and then we'll get into it. Okay. If I were to do workplace shoot you, I'd have to do it. I'd make more sense to do it with a bow, because yeah, we both shoot bow. We do. That would be kind of fun. Yep. I'm guessing you would miss. I don't know. If I got close enough, I could hit you.
0: Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's let's not okay, go ahead. shoot each other at work okay. or at all. God. Uh, it, it's, I, I have an idea of what your story is when you told me what to avoid. Oh, yeah. It's pretty, uh, yeah. pretty obvious. Yes. Yes. All right. So I get to go first because last week you, or whatever, last month, you went first and had your 40 minute long story. Not today. Nope. No. Nope. Nice. Uh, what, what did I say? Uh, quality over quantity. <laughs> All right. So let's get into my story, which I didn't title. I, I didn't think of a good title in time. So I'm, I'm actually with you,
1: because okay. I titled mine, and it gave it away. So then it yeah. made useless my stupid introduction.
0: Okay, anyway, so I, I took a different angle at my intro, but let's get into it. All right, so here we go. Here's my story. Kristen Wells was doing just fine with life back in 1986. Known to her friends and family as Chris, she lived in the scenic city of Missoula, Montana, with her husband, Doug Wells. Kristen wasn't afraid to get things done, and she wasn't afraid of working hard at her job. After a few years of grinding away, she had worked her way up the ladder at her job and went on to become the head manager of the local Conlin's Furniture Warehouse in Missoula. Kristen was a good manager, and her co-workers seemed to like her because she did a good job running the show at the furniture store. But with any management job, there's always the hard tasks that go along with it. Like the squashing of petty company infights between employees, the tardy workers, the jerk off who keeps cooking fish in the break room microwave, or the coworkers with bad attitudes.
1: I fucking loved, real quick. I love doing that. I work with someone. I'm not using names right now. There's nothing this person hates more than the smell of hot fish. So if I have tuna sandwiches or salmon, uh-huh. I will microwave it and leave the door shut to the office because it irritates him to no end. That's which just, makes me a bad guy. Yeah, co-worker. I was going
0: to say, you were just really being shitty right there. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what?
1: I'm going to keep doing it. Oh. Does he listen to this show? Fuck no. <laughs> I don't think so. I think his wife might. Huh? Yeah. No,
0: you're thinking of somebody else. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, all right, all right, This all is right. an
1: older person I do
0: this to. Okay, too. okay. All right, so the list really does go on with, you know, shitty things they can do. Uh, but there was one employee that Chris had to deal with on occasion. He was one of the warehouse workers who went by the name of Wayne. Wayne was a little odd. He would run hot and cold, maybe have a few outbursts here and there. Uh, He had a few minor complaints from customers and staff about some off-color comments he had made to them, Uh, but at the end of the day, he was a hard worker and did what was asked of him, so he was able to keep his job. Now, had Chris known who this Wayne character really was, she would have brought him into her office for a meeting and promptly gotten a revolver to blow his brains out right there on the spot. Because this pile-of-shit co-worker was none other than the notorious serial killer Wayne Nance, also known as the Missoula Mauler. And I he,
1: don't think I know this.
0: Oh, you're gonna. Oh, okay, sweet, all right. And he was prepared to make Kristen Wells' life a living nightmare. More on that later. Very good, okay. Okay. Wayne Nance was born in 1955, and like most people who uh, grow up to do fucked-up shit, had a not-so-pleasant upbringing. His family lived in a mobile home park just outside of Missoula and had very little money. His father was an over-the-road trucker with a checkered past, and his mom was a waitress who took up multiple shifts at a local restaurant. This left Wayne to grow up in a lonely, shitty situation. You have the ex-criminal truck driver dad who's always gone, the mom who's always at work, and you are piss poor living in a mobile home. Every kid's dream, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was your dream. I remember seeing your dream board. You had that drawn. That was kind of strange. A trailer? Yeah. Oh, I (laughs) I think it's more of a camper. (laughs) Oh, that's it. All right. Like many psychopaths, he was smart, athletic, did well in school, and was very charismatic. But it didn't take long for Wayne to get an attitude. He was also known for his short temper and his malicious attitudes toward women. Uh, But some of those things can be subtle enough to just place him in the quote-unquote misguided youth category. However, what wasn't subtle about teenage Wayne Nance uh, was his boasting about killing kittens, uh, talking about his obsession with the occult, showing off his knife collections, uh, burning a pentagram on himself with a hot coat hanger, and bragging about how he was going to kill someone before he graduated high school. Those would be obvious red flags, but kids in the '70s were just built differently, I guess. I
1: guess they're always wrecking cars. I remember that; like, they didn't wear seatbelts and they wreck cars all oh, the time. Oh, driving
0: drunk all the time. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah, It was wild. <laughs>
0: uh, we really missed out. Yeah, right. We would be fucking dead. What are you talking about? Actually,
1: the pentagram thing's kind of cool. I mean, I oh guess yeah, that's right. cool. But, like the kittens, though.
0: That's a lot of red flags. Yeah, knives. Yeah, he was pretty fucked up. Um, Yeah, he, he was real athletic, too, like wrestling team, all the other things like that. So he was aggressive. All right. So during his senior year of high school, Wayne Nance would go on to live up to one of his promises. Having befriended his neighbors, the Pounds family, Wayne crafted a plan one afternoon when he knew that the only member who would be getting home alone was his friend's mother, Donna Pounds. Wayne snuck over to their house in broad daylight before Donna got home and put his plan into action. He crept in and retrieved the husband's 22 caliber handgun from a nightstand in the couple's main bedroom, where Wayne Nance then waited for Miss Pounds to enter. Not wanting to get into too much detail, Wayne Nance went on to bind down his friend's mother, rape her, shoot her in the head five times, and desecrate her body. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> dark
1: hmm. yeah I, I took a much lighter approach to mine today
0: <laughs> well i could like i said i'm not getting Ooh, into okay. detail because right. it was fucked okay like right. it, it was gnarly for it yeah so after committing one of his first horrendous crimes ever he fucking got away with it though he was spotted in the area by multiple neighbors and questioned by police wayne was no dummy How how old was he at the time? I believe he was 18 or 19. Okay. He was senior year of high school. Hadn't even graduated fucking high school yet. Okay. Yeah. All right. So he had alibis in place and used latex gloves during the murder. That walking pile of human shit got away with it. And that's not the worst part. He would go on to get away with a slew of other rapes and murders until his final day on this planet. Right after graduating high school, Wayne Nance joined the U.S. Navy and got to travel the world most likely raping and killing women along the way. From 1974 until he was booted for misconduct in 1977, there is a strong possibility that he committed more crimes, but unfortunately, none have been proven yet. Upon returning to the Missoula area after washing out of the Navy, Wayne Nance was now in his 20s and just kind of coasting through life. He had a few odd jobs here and there, and was still known for being a bit of a scummy nutcase who had an eye for underage drifter girlfriends. In the early 80s, he had taken a job as a bouncer at a local tavern, which gave him the opportunity to feed his desires to get violent with people and the ability to stalk his next victims. But Wayne Nance wasn't the only thing to show back up in Missoula around this time. Something else was starting to show up, bodies. From 1979 to 1985, Several decomposing bodies of young women had been popping up in the region, most having 32 caliber holes in their skulls, one of which was 16-year-old Marcy Bachman, who conveniently had broken up with Nance only a short while before she went missing. But yet again, nothing could be traced back to Wayne. By 1985, Wayne Nance was still a free man. The law, <clears throat> the law hadn't caught him yet, and he was free to continue his reign of terror over the unknowing people of Missoula. That same year, he had landed a new job for himself, working as a furniture delivery man for Conlon's Furniture. Though this job didn't allow him to satisfy his violent urges by fighting with drunk customers at a bar, it did, however, allow him something better. Full access to potential victims' homes as he delivered their brand new furniture to them. Shout out to the moving episode. All right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Like, fucking, who are you letting in your house? My story has something to do with people who shouldn't be in your house, too. (laughs) Okay. All right. And Wayne Nance wasted no time exploiting this new access. Uh, This new access he had into people's lives. In December of 1985, Wayne Nance had delivered a new piece of furniture to the home of... Michael and Teresa Shook, and quickly marked them for death. A few days after the delivery, he returned to the couple's home at night and barged in the front door. Armed with a 32 caliber revolver, he stated that this was a robbery. But we all know by this point, Wayne Nance is a fucking subhuman monster, and this was more than a robbery. Michael Shook's body was found tied up with an impact wound to his head and multiple stab wounds to his chest. His wife, Teresa, was found shot in the leg, tied up to a bed, raped, and stabbed to death as well. And while all this was going on, the couple's three small children had been corralled and locked into a spare bedroom. Nance promptly left the scene of the crime, but made an error. He forgot to take anything so the appearance of quote-unquote robbery gone wrong could apply. He then returned to the Shook home and quickly stole a few items, and then set the place on fire with the kids still <gasps> inside. No fucking way. Yeah. How the fuck have they not heard of this guy? I know, right? Hmm. Uh, fortunately, in his haste, he did a shitty job lighting the fire, and it mainly smoldered out because he shut the door behind him. So neighbors uh, who saw the smoke arrived in time to get the children out Oh, safely. good, okay. So that was you know, something good out of it, sort of. Um, but by that time, Wayne Nance was long gone and free to kill again. Now we come back to Kristen Wells and her dealings with coworker Wayne Nance. By the fall of 1986, Wayne Nance had become obsessed with Chris Wells. He would sneak pictures of her at work, make sexual comments, follow her while she jogged, and stalked her at home, all without her knowing. Now Kristen had to have some conversations with Wayne about his attitude at work, but nothing had gotten far enough to have him fired. Uh, some of Wayne's warehouse co-workers had even expressed some concerns over his odd behavior of crafting makeshift weapons during his break. Like, <laughs> it's weird. I always went
1: out back parking lot and would read a book. Yeah. You know, when we did that like lunch shady break. Shit, but, yeah, right? Real shady shit, Yeah, Under the shade of a tree. Yeah. I just looked this fuck up. He's an ugly bastard, isn't he? Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> All right. The dude was fucking whacked. And by September 3rd, 1986, Wayne Nance's obsession with Chris Wells would come to a head. This is fucking wild. Okay. All right. That evening, Wayne Nance parked in front of the Wells home and waited for the couple to return from their night out on the town. Once the couple did arrive, they went inside and got ready to gear down for the evening. But before they did, Doug Wells had to put the trash out for morning pickup. As he pulled the garbage can out, he heard a noise coming from the bushes and discovered Wayne Nance rooting around. Doug, who recognized Nance, asked him what was going on, to which Nance replied that he was driving by and saw someone lurking around his property and got out to investigate. That's bullshit.
1: They always fucking say that. Oh, Don't ever some... believe
0: it. They're the one lurking. But he, they kind of knew the guy because he was a co-worker with Chris. So. Mm-hmm. All right. So Doug, thinking Nance was being genuine, told Wayne he would go grab a flashlight and help him look around. But as Doug entered his home, Wayne closed the distance and smashed Doug on the head with a steel rod knocking him to the floor. Wayne drew his revolver and forced Chris to tie up her husband, to which she complied. He then proceeded to drag Kristen Wells upstairs, where he tied her to the couple's bed and gagged her mouth shut. Not wanting to be disturbed for what was to come, Nance returned back downstairs to finish the job he started on Doug. He dragged Doug down to the basement and tied him to a post. Once in the basement, Doug regains consciousness, and Wayne, not taking any chances, buries an 8-inch fillet knife into Doug's chest, leaving him there to die. Mm. Nance, excited to do uh, do what he came there to do, heads back upstairs to rape and murder Chris Wells. But this is where he fucked up. Doug who had been beaten, stabbed, and tied to a post wasn't dead. Oh, no shit. The blade missed his heart by less than an inch, and now he was pissed. Doug Wells managed to free himself from his bindings and crawled his way over to his workbench in the basement. You see, Doug Wells is a gunsmith, and waiting for him on his bench is a Savage Model 99 chambered in two hundred fifty Savage that he had just repaired. He grabs a rifle, and the only round of ammunition he could find for it, and then heads upstairs toward the shot. to the sound of his wife screaming.
1: Wait, I have one
0: question. Yes. Is the knife still
1: in his chest? He he got stabbed. Oh, but he pulled it back pulled out. Pulled it back out and threw okay. it on his
0: lap. It was a pretty gnarly image if it was still in there. No. It's like a fucking, This is like a movie. I know, right? OK. He, he he did say, I think one of the things I read what really pissed him off was the way he just threw the knife on his lap, leaving it there like your are Like dad. it was nothing? Yep. All right, so he heads upstairs to the sounds of his wife screaming. Knowing he only has one shot and doesn't want to hit his wife by accident, Doug gets to the end of the hallway and bangs the butt of the rifle against the wall to get Nance's attention, and his plan works. As Wayne Nance walks out of the bedroom to investigate the noise, Doug Wells puts a 250 Savage moving at 3,000 feet per second into his midsection. Nance piles up and hobbles back into the bedroom, where he tries to retrieve his revolver but Doug Wells wastes no time getting down the hall into the bedroom. He begins to beat the living shit out of Wayne Nance with the butt of the rifle, smashing it into his face. The two men wrestle around trading blows, and Nance even manages to get a shot off with his revolver, hitting Wells in the leg, but it barely phases Doug. Doug wrestles the revolver from Nance and puts a round right into the side of Wayne Nance's miserable skull, bringing his reign of terror to an end. Isn't that nuts? Wow. Yeah. That's fucking gnarly. Yeah. So from there, the Wells called for help and were taken to the hospital where they made full recoveries. Wayne Nance, with two bullet holes in him and a smashed-in face, died the next day. Rest in piss, you won't be missed. Noticing the similarities of the invasion at the Wells home, authorities were soon able to piece together all the crimes that Wayne Nance had committed. They found stolen items from the Shook family and multiple types of physical evidence from other murders in his apartment and vehicles. And as recently as 2021, DNA evidence has placed him as the killer in other murders in Missoula. To date, uh, he has for certain killed six people, but the number is most likely greater. So, next time your coworker is being a bit of a jack-off and playing a lame prank on you, just be glad they aren't trying to rape and murder you. The end. Very good. Isn't that nuts? That's
1: disturbing. It is. You know, I'm glad he fucking killed him, though. It seems like a lot of stuff, like if it were a movie, or mm-hmm. a lot of them, especially like true crime TV shows and shit like that. Yeah. You know, they're like, they've beaten him, he's won, and they're just yeah. like, stop it, you don't kill him. Uh-huh. I'm glad he killed him. That's awesome. Uh-huh.
0: Wow, that's wild. No, I've never heard of that. No, it's 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 awesome, the shit that you can stumble across looking for you know, when we get looking into our stories, you'll find something that's just like, "How the fuck have I never heard of?" No, this? I never heard of that, and I'm glad that you did
1: because actually, my like, my first thought was, "Um, uh, could have done Ted like Sir could have got uh, Ted Bundy was it the Stranger Beside Me that Anne Rule the oh, true crime writer I she almost, worked with it I know I almost did that because that was like the first thing that came to mind. Yeah, you know, I've never heard of Wayne Nance. That's, yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's I think we can probably agree that the worst case scenario co-worker would be one that would try and kill you
0: yep so yeah That's... i'm of on <laughs> the same boat with you that was very good <laughs> yeah it was uh some of the shit he did like he was still nice enough to wear it like at work he would he would have off color comments and outbursts but he was still like enough you know charismatic enough friendly. to like yeah. pretend to be a human being yeah they say like people like that like they
1: can kind of like it's like aliens that kind of uh-huh. like observe normal pretend, human behavior yeah, and can how imitate them, like a mimic. Yeah. He's like a mimic.
0: Totally, yeah, yeah, Yes, But he was, uh, he was incredibly fucked up. So. Oh, that's fucked up. Did you read a book on that? No, unfortunately, there is a book. Uh, I did read some excerpts from it, but I didn't get the entire thing because I didn't have enough time once I found out. But there was a ton of good information. I found old articles, like old AP articles from like 1986 um there's a ton of stuff ton of information and some of the stuff i came across like i don't want to say it was contra- contradictory but like there was some details that were off here and there but most of them were within this like within the realm of you know what i said okay so but no it was a pretty wild story i would like to read the book um but yeah so that's my story and I am glad you enjoyed it. I did very
1: much. It was yeah. very disturbing. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> what terrible, disturbing thing do you have to tell me
1: about? Um. So I don't have a title for it because I titled it and then like it kind of gave it away. Mm-hmm. But uh, obviously, it has something to do with workplace shootings. It okay. just had to be death. You know what I
0: mean? Mm-hmm. It had to be. So well, thinking I thinking about something. So your workplace shooting thing. Yeah. If you're in the army as your job, <gasps> is, that is that a that work workplace, workplace shooting?
1: shooting? I don't know. Like,
0: you're constantly in workplace shootings. Huh.
1: I never really thought about it. Yeah. See, that's one of those gray areas. Well, yeah. Th- Hmm. Yeah. We'll talk about it after. Okay. Yeah, so I got no title. Let's come. I'll see if I can come up with something right off the top of my head. All right, Ready? let's go. Uh, hang on. Wait. You gotta. Uh, let's just... Uh, first, uh, and the walls will run red with blood or something like that. Uh, that's okay. That's not that good. No. The one I had was way better. But anyway... Let's just get into
0: it, okay? Um what? I was I was just thinking about something like I have an idea about your story involving, let me guess, postal. Shh. okay. All right, so here we go. Something about a letter. <laughs> um, All right, get into it.
1: Okay. And I wanna say this right now. This is one of the shortest stories I've ever wrote, and it is to the point. I did a very good job today. I, I, appreciate I need an attaboy boy and a pat on the back when we're yes. done. All right, so here we go. The year is 1970, a time of social upheaval, civic unrest, unpopular wars, and misplaced blame. It had been more than a decade since the Civil Rights Act of 1957, but racial inequality still ran rampant across the U.S.
0: Sure, this ain't 2023.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And and tensions still exploded in white hot bursts of violence with alarming regularity. Thanks to Charlie Manson the year prior, the fall of the hippie had finally begun. Great swaths of the stinky bastards had come to grips with the reality that, in order to survive, they'd not only have to take jobs, but showers as well. So it wasn't all bad. But by no means was the nightly news lighting up living rooms with a glow of rainbows and sunshine either. Things were rough. (laughs) Things were rough. And for a particular bunch of folks, they're about to get a lot worse. If this were an episode of Family Feud, I think we could all agree on one group of men and women making it up on the board who'd repeatedly gotten a shaft throughout the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Heroes, some might say. Patriots, say others. Up each morning, before even a rumor of dawn. They don their uniform with pride, neatly pressed and pleated, crisp and ready to meet the battles of the day. Ready for the trenches, ready for the streets. And when they finally come home, they're just another face in the crowd. Invisible, their service to this country forgotten. And not by, not only by civilians, but by their own rank and file as well. Infighting, posturing, petty politics, driving a wedge deeper and deeper between these tired souls until eventually, inevitably, resistance gives way and just snaps. And what choice is left for them? None. They do what any of us would do. They do what I know I would do. They reach for the nearest tools at hand to set things right, to be heard. You know what I'm talking about. This is fucking real. You you know what I'm talking about. Bulletproof vests, pistols, Uzis, grenades, homemade bombs, katanas, and of course, ninja hoods. Sweet. And you know who I'm talking about. The real lost generation. The unsung heroes. The right hands of sweet vengeance. The OGs of the workplace shootings. Your friend and mine, the U.S. postal worker. Kevin Costner. What? There was a movie with him in it? Come on. What? Postal? The Postman. Oh, man. I forgot about that movie. A lot of people did. No shit. Yeah. Well put. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, um, always, always be nice to your mailman. I'm going to say that right up top. Even if they bend your new budding disc when they cram it into a mailbox that it plainly doesn't fit into, which they're just leaving it at your door. Be uh-huh. kind anyways. Staple that smile to your face if you have to, because every one of them has the capacity to kill you, and they're just <laughs> dying for the opportunity. Actually, from a purely statistical angle, that may that last bit may not be yeah. It's incredibly, incredibly true. low. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. but I have little doubt that they're all in therapy. So, what am I getting at? <laughs> Where's the <this> self-indulgent, <laughs> driveling, batting of an intro headed towards the arguably worst-case scenario coworker? That's where. Back to the golden age of rage. Back to a time when men were men and HR was just another room full of bodies. Back to a time when workplace tips were attacked head-on, with a katana, or an Uzi, or both. Back when filing a complaint meant showing up to work in nothing but your birthday suit. Mr. Johnson wagging side to side like a dog's tail against your thighs as you gripped that pistol slick in your hands. All the while it barked sweet vengeance into the backs of your co-workers.
0: Here, puppy. <laughs> Come here. Who
1: wants a pet? Who wants a pet? I wrote that and it really disturbed me. Because I just,
0: yeah, this you, is pretty twisted. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, we're going to get questioned after uh, this.
1: Grab your mailbags, folks, and leave your meds at home. Today, we're going postal. All right. Let's get into it. I almost did this. I well, It was like yeah. the only thing I could do. Um, so, I'm going to try and keep this as brief as I can because I've been told explicitly to do that. Uh, I'm, and I'm, I'm going to make a serious effort at following orders like a Nazi. But unlike
0: Nazis, we're taking- Or a good coworker <laughs> Giving you friendly advice to help out the I show to you better work on.
1: I at taking advice, and I'm working <laughs> on it. But unlike the Nazis, we're talking equal opportunity offenders here, black and white. And just to be clear, I am not talking about the awful video game Postal. If you are playing Postal 4 right now, stop. Pick up a book, sign up for better help. Do anything else. It's a fucking terrible games. Yeah, they weren't that good. Ugh. Now, I'm talking about the strange, decades-long phenomenon of US postal workers murdering their brothers and sisters in arms. We're going to touch on some of the more high profile postal shootings. Uh, that is the one with a bit more the ones with a bit more flair, i.e. like the ones with the most nudity and panache. the most katanas. Shaka, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, then we're gonna talk about why. Why of all branches of government work, postal workers, why do they continue to take up arms instead of just finding another job? And finally, we'll end with some suggestions from yours truly for some healthier outlets for any of you out there mulling over the idea of a workplace shooting of your own. Firstly, why? Why are all these mailmen shooting each other?
0: I the don't USA think something. it's as common as like you said earlier. The statistics are still pretty low. I mean, it did happen a lot, shootings. and it it's
1: more of a pop culture thing. That, yeah. like, it's hell- but okay, so <laughs> indulge me. According to the Seinfeld Encyclopedia under the Newman heading, and I had to do uh, this for Mandy, it's quote because the mail never stops. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. There's never a let-up. It's relentless. Every day it piles up more and more and more, and you gotta get it out. The more you get it out, the more it keeps coming in. This makes the most sense to me from every possible catalyst I've read about the past month. But according to experts outside the world, the world of the '90s sitcom, it all started in the U.S. postal strike of 1970. Mm. You read anything about this?
0: No, I no? didn't. I didn't go too deep into this because, like, Cause I, you I knew I, I was gonna do it. No, I just. Uh, I don't know why. I, I I had five or six different things written down, and I just went with the serial killer angle. Okay, so anyway, 1970.
1: Now, as a non-union guy who has to work for every check each week and can't fall back on a strike fund during group hissy fits, gotcha my good. knee <laughs> my knee jerk reaction <laughs> to more current strikes is a pretty heavy eye roll. Mm-hmm. But uh, postal service, the postal service half a decade ago actually sounds as though it was pretty rough. Unhealthy and unsafe working conditions, alongside postal offices described as, quote, dungeons, made for a less-than-appealing workspace. Couple this with low pay and a lack of benefits, and the U.S. Postal Service saw itself hemorrhaging white employees for the past couple of decades leading up to the 70s. Though black employees, of which there were quite a few at the time, had to stick around, grateful for the work, as few other employers would hire them. And it was shit pay. Yeah. But eventually shit got bad enough for everybody that enough was enough. The real tipping point being when Congress, earlier that year, upped their own salaries by 40% and postal workers by only 4%. So, buck they said. Time to strike. Hundreds of thousands of postal workers quit showing up for work. I couldn't believe how many actually work. For public it. sector crazy. gonna,
0: public sector. Yeah. So they quit showing up.
1: <laughs> the U.S. mail system was crippled. The stock market plummeted, and it looked as though it may close entirely. Nixon ordered military reserves to deliver mail across the country in the gross-sounding Operation Graphic Hand, and it was less than effective. Hmm. I still don't understand why they call it that, but I, I, could do, I,
0: I could just see you drawing something on your hand as a graphic, like the little face you draw and then have the thumb be the mouth. I was thinking only... I'm oh,
1: <laughs> Hand, and I'm going to rescue the U.S. That's where your mind went yep, with it?
0: There.
1: Oh. This is a handjob word. uh so anyway, it was less than effective. I mean,
0: if you drew a face on it, you could get a blowjob. Yeah, job. fuck yourself.
1: <laughs> uh, eventually, the strike was resolved and concessions were made, though nothing as significant as you may imagine. Wage negotiations for the major unions and the like. Uh, though the right to strike was taken away, ironically. But things were better. They were looking up. Until that August, anyways, when the bodies started piling up.
0: In New York City. Hi. Huh? No,
1: it's all over the place. Oh, We'll okay. get into it. All right. All right, kids, get your crazy straws out. We got a lot of blood to get through here. Only about a thousand <laughs> words left to do it. Also, I know I said we'd try and get to the bottom of why there's so many high-profile postal slayings over the year, years, but who's got the time? Let's just say they're all fucking nuts and get into the guts of this thing. Here we go. This is more or less going to be a greatest hits kind of list than anything else. So let's start with number one. August 13th, 1970, L.A. The strike is over and so is the honeymoon. Alfred Kellum, one letter, aw- one letter away from Killam, a huge red flag that everybody missed, shoots his superior, Harry Sendrow, three times in the back at 6 a.m. after Mr. Sendrow sent Mr. Kellum home the night before for being drunk at work. So Harry kind of had it coming. I guess you could say he <clears throat> clocked in early. Huh? Oh, that's a uh, that's better than my joke. Yeah. I said... Harry kind of had it coming, because you don't don't send a U.S. postal worker home for being drunk, Harry. (laughs) Do I get get sent home from work for doing trucker speed? No. (laughs) Do you want to get shit done or not? Officers found Kellum about five hours later, two and a half miles from his home, unconscious in his car, which, if it weren't for the slaying, would have aroused no suspicion, as this is widely known as simply the mailman's lunch.
0: All right, next okay. up. <laughs> <laughs> I have a five-hour nap.
1: Um, so, yeah. <laughs> next up, Edmond, Oklahoma, 1986. This one's a doozy. Okay. And, yes, I know that I'm, like, super skipping ahead here about 16 years and that I'm glossing over Mr. Potato Head himself, David Berkowitz, entirely. We just don't have enough time to dig into the so, mail. Ba- dig real, in.
0: <laughs> real quick, that was uh, Son of Sam, correct? Yes. 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 yeah. We Who, do. He just happened to be a postal worker.
1: Yeah. But we don't have time to dig into like his mailbag of Yeah. Yeah. The dumbest looking postal worker to ever do life in mm-hmm. prison. Uh so yeah. Edmund Co- Edmund, Oklahoma. Postman Patrick Cheryl. God, I wish I could have wrote more about this guy, but anyway, postman Patrick Patrick Sherrill walks into his branch with two M1911 pistols, shoots two people immediately to get everyone else's attention, and then proceeds to stalk the office, murdering, murdering an additional 12 and wounding six. He shot his co-workers point blank, under desks, and sometimes over and over, even after they'd plainly expired. At the end of the day, 14 innocent people were dead, six were wounded, and Crazy Pat as the neighborhood kids who chased this loser for sport called him, (laughs) shot himself in the forehead like a fucking coward. And an especially stupid one, I might add. It's far more ergonomic to shoot yourself in the mouth than it is in the forehead. I mimed each in my kitchen as part of my research, and there's just no question. Shooting yourself in the forehead is awkward and uncomfortable.
0: Try it. No, I'm not going to shoot myself. I'll show the... you. No, you don't. No, you use your hand. I'll show okay. you afterward what all I mean. All right. I don't know. You read all those horror stories about, like, the uh, the Nazis who tried to shoot themselves before Nuremberg, and they ended up they just, half like, their face blew out. their eyeballs out right. and fucking missed. Which yeah. they deserved it. Yeah. But it's
1: awkward, is what I'm saying, to turn it all the way. Yeah. I don't know much about guns. Also, okay, anyway. <laughs> so, as we've mentioned here on the show in the past, if you're really going to, like, if you're set on shooting yourself in the head... Don't play God and bring innocent people along for the ride on your crazy train. Just go, get help. Go get some help, yeah. And if you can't get help, put a tarp down first. Just be courteous. So wow. this was the big one. <laughs> this was the big one.
0: <laughs> Terrible <laughs> advice from Chris
1: today. It was after. Okay. Don't shoot <laughs> yourself. Don't shoot yourself. <laughs> it was after the stalker peep, peeping Tom buck bag pat. At his very red tamper tantrum that the term "going postal" entered the public lexicon. That's what did it. That that, it was that shooting. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it was like you could have done like an entire story on him. Oh, there's a couple of them. Okay. But it wasn't the last time that USPS office would get stickier than. <laughs> it wasn't the last time that sorry. Uh, that a USPS office would get stickier than Operation Graphic Hand. There was more blood to come. (laughs) Yeah, welcome to Graphic Hand.
0: I'm going to rescue the U.S. Postal Service with my graphic hand.
1: (laughs) Uh, If you had just gone and given him a hand job, he probably would have been
0: fine. I got a little face drawn on my hand. I'm going to suck (laughs) your (laughs) dick.
1: Oh, God. Uh, Where the hell was I? Anyway, on August 10th, so we're jumping ahead again here, Uh, 1989, postal worker John Merlin Taylor, in spite of a kick-ass name, murdered his wife and then went to work at the Orange Glen Post Office in Escondido, California, with a 22 pistol, 22 caliber pistol. Sorry, I'm trying to do my gun thing here. Okay. And 100 rounds of ammunition, and proceeded to shoot to death two of his coworkers and then turned the gun on himself like a fucking asshole. According to his surviving co-workers, John was a pleasant guy and a more than competent mail carrier, which I take to mean that he kept his naps at under two a day. He was said to enjoy mowing his lawn and drinking beer, which is horrifying, as this means that it could be very likely I may turn out to be a mass murderer. No one would
0: be surprised in the least. No, <laughs> I wouldn't. I thought about it longer than I need to. Well, yeah, you, I don't know. You got too much estrogen flowing through you.
1: I don't like liquids on me, except for water.
0: Okay. So. What's that? All right. Whatever.
1: uh, But pleasant or not, he's on this list deep, because deep down he was a piece of shit. Okay. Just a couple more. All right. This next one's pretty fucking wild. But after this, we're going to need to pick things up if we have any hope of getting my advice column at the end here. Okay. Uh, on October 9th, 1991, former postal worker John... John hmm.
0: Who? John, who uh, John, I did John. all his voice
1: training stuff yesterday, and I, I fucked, fucked yep. it all up. Yeah. Is he from Georgia? Don't say that. it's racist. He's black. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't know that, and you didn't have to tell me that. So you made it Actually, racist. it has
1: something to do with this. Okay. But anyway... Uh, yeah, on October 9, 1991, former postal worker Joseph M. Harris kill build his way into the workplace Vengeance Hall of Fame with a fucking katana. Yellow Eight, suit? Huh? No, I just okay. wait, wait. Uh, 18 months after being let go for refusing to take a, quote, fitness of duty exam, which I'm sure has a super high bar that only a mailman could ever hope to reach, Mr. Harris came back for blood. First- He went to the home of his former supervisor and carved her apart with a goddamn katana. That's fucked. I know. Then he went into her basement and shot her boyfriend in the head. Then he went to his former post in Ridgewood, New Jersey, and murdered two of his ex-co-workers before getting into an hours-long standoff with police that eventually ended with his arrest. Now, what makes this especially noteworthy to me is the imagery. Mr. Harris was a black man. I don't know why I just assumed all these crazy fuckers were white, but I did. And not only a black man, but one clad in black clothes, a bulletproof vest lined with hand grenades and homemade bobs, a ninja hood, a 22 caliber machine pistol, and an Uzi. Oh, and don't forget at this point, a bloodstained katana, making this man the most Wu-Tang motherfucker on this list. I am not condoning murder, but if, but if a, win, <laughs> but if a winner here were to be declared for fashion alone, Mister Harris would be bravo bound faster than a ninja sword can open an artery. There's just so much more to that one, though. It's fucking nuts. Like the murderpedia page on him is just insane. That because sounds it, wild. It's fucking <clears throat> crazy. But anyway, yeah. uh, he's oh yeah, like he was born in prison. There was his prison time, his myriad mental illnesses everybody knew about, but they kept him on anyway. It's just, it's just, oh, and that the-, the He was n- the red flags. Yeah. <laughs> he claimed that it was his ninja spirit that prompted
0: him to do this. That was the, the 80s, right? This is 89. Yeah. Yep. Remember like the end of the 80s, how big ninjas were? Fuck yeah. Kung 80s Fu into shit. the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had all the turtles. You had three ninjas. You had... Those are much healthier outlets. Yeah, just should you know, have I'm watched those things. But yeah, ninja stuff was huge then. But okay, let's just—I just get just a
1: handful more. And um, so yeah, thirty. Oh yeah, thirty go. Thirty years ago, next week on my birthday, mm-hmm. uh, May 6th, there were two completely separate shootings on the same day, racking up a body count of three people and one dog. I will not utter this man's name, as I will waste no attention on this inhuman slime that killed the dog. Oh, and he killed his mother too.
0: Yeah, yeah, most people like this don't deserve mentioning because they are subhuman pieces know, of garbage. I that
1: dog thing just fucking killed me. Oh, Jesus. Yeah.
0: Anyway, then
1: there's Jennifer San Marco, who bridged the workplace gender gap in 2006 when she fatally shot six postal workers at a processing facility in Goleta, California. She then turned the handgun on herself, proving that in spite of the rigors of childbirth, <laughs> some of the fairer sex can be just as cowardly as men. And finally... After Grant Gallagher repeatedly ran over his supervisor with his car later in 2006 in Baker City, Oregon, an 11-year dry spell was ended by postal worker Deshaun Stewart. I might be pronouncing that wrong. Deshaun Stewart. In 2017, when he showed up at his Dublin, Ohio, post office completely naked and shot his supervisor dead. He then walked, still naked, to the apartment complex of the Dublin postmaster and threw her to the ground so hard that she was killed from the impact.
0: That, that seems normal, right? Yeah. Fuck, That's man. That's fucking insane. How fucking hard you got to throw somebody on the ground? Like, I don't know. Was she a small person? Was I'm she not a sure. Big person? It was like, it, but her she hit her head that hard. Well, yeah. So wow. All right. That's it. Murdered, not... murdered by <laughs> like slammed to death by a <laughs> naked man. I mean, that's your dream. Like I said, like the but... imagery of it. Like, what was that? Okay, let me finish
1: this so I'll get into it. That's it. I'm not talking about any more of them. More than sixty people have been killed by poster workers. They're practically another branch of the military. But I know it's not just male men and male women that can go postal. It can happen anywhere. Mm-hmm. So in conclusion, uh, I've got a list of healthier alternatives to workplace shootings if any of you out there are looking to relieve yourselves of irksome co-workers but aren't keen on jail time or the business end of a pistol in your mouth. And if you want any suggestions for healthier alternatives, just join in whenever you want.
0: If you have yeah. any ideas. I-, I think if you're feeling down and your coworkers are wearing you down- I would strongly suggest looking for new work if you can find it. That's I got a, that, that one on here. Yeah. That's a big help. Um, maybe go talk to a therapist.
1: Yeah, I got that I, one I, on here, too. And I too. would like
0: to think, too, if you are a postal worker, you have pretty good health benefits, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So uh, you could probably go see a therapist. And to be fair, to be fair,
1: um, the it, so the- now, the Postal Service is not, like, the most likely place for you to be shot by a coworker. worker mm. It just it happened quite a bit. And they were very, very high profile. But, yeah, it's not the fucking Depression. You can go find another job now.
0: Yeah. And but I, I'm willing to bet, like you were saying, how it was crazy back then, the working conditions. But ever since email and everything else with the Internet, think about how little mail people send and receive now. Yeah. It's not as I forget crazy as I have as it, a mailbox. I know unless I order a disc, the shit's so overflowing out of your box half the time. I bring it to you. It's all garbage. It's all copies of fast
1: company. That no, you those de- those
0: come to my house still. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I was gonna say. So I had some ideas. Like, and this is the first one I thought of. And it wouldn't have to be a post office mm-hmm. theme venue. Yeah, it could be even like there's a a BOCES place not too far from us. There's like little buildings for training, so you yeah. could do a bunch of little different buildings. So you have paint post office themed paintball venues where you can shoot your coworkers. You know what I'm saying? That's, so instead of like It just, probably wouldn't help.
0: Well I, I know there is things like those team building things where they do go play paintball or airsoft or whatever. Yeah. That's probably good.
1: But That's you don't good think that out, like
0: to I don't think to mimic the workplace and go shoot people there is good. Okay. Now that you say it out loud it does Yeah, sound that would probably bad. feed into the negativity of that. Okay, so
1: how about <laughs> read a book? <laughs> yeah, read a book. People are always dying in books, so that
0: can be cathartic. Okay. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I say this all the time. If you're in a negative headspace and you know life's bringing you down and you just everything's wrong and so on and so forth, one Go outside and get some fucking sunlight. Yeah, go for a hike, Two, go for a walk, exercise. Mm-hmm. Yep, and three, unplug from the bullshit and read a book. Yeah,
1: like, I, I
0: I got get drunk good. on here too. Get That's probably not good. Okay, like resorting to drugs. And oh alcohol. yeah, because
1: if yeah, if you're a violent drunk, then don't yeah. do that.
0: Like yeah, or or if you have, uh, you know, serious mental problems, like drugs and alcohol are not good for those no, things. No, yeah. I, I mean, you're a shining example of that. What? Just drugs and alcohol wrecking a man's body. What are you talking about? I got a fantastic body. He's going postal, folks. I will eventually. <laughs> you heard it here first. Oh, this, Wait, will be this, begin- this will be getting this will be played at your so I shouldn't trial. read probably
1: most because my other one was like go find the guy that keeps telling you that you just need to meditate and shoot him instead. But probably don't do that either. Yeah, that's poor advice. Oh, Mandy had one. Uh-huh. She said, "If you're gonna shoot all your coworkers, go buy them iced cappuccinos instead.
0: Kill him with kindness."
1: Yes, yeah. that was oh, I thought that was yeah. really nice. Yeah,
0: that's a good one. Like, kill him with kindness. Be like, this asshole keeps bringing me donuts and you know snacks and little treasures and treats throughout the week. Who does he think he is? And
1: like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. And you, you, I usually feel pretty good, but the rare times I do something nice for somebody else.
0: Yeah, it's nice to do things for people. Yeah, like a
1: lot of these people, if they haven't done this before, like you should start like before you really commit to murdering your coworkers, you start small and see how it feels. Like getting a bum fight, or start a house fire, or take them hunting and see how taking a life uh, affects your mental state.
0: Uh, I I think hunting game animals and people is drastically different. Oh, okay. I got a serious one. I know it is. Write fan fiction or short stories, and then you can just release it there. Yeah, instead and- of. You In can, the real world. And then you can talk with your buddy on it and then record those conversations. Yeah, start a podcast. And then it's like a relief valve. It's like, oh, fuck, play a video game. It's like just, the, there's probably one dude who has a podcast with zero listeners, and it's just all of his plans for murder. And then he finally gets one listener, and he's just like, you know, maybe I'm not going to do all these crimes. Yeah. like You're getting vindicated a little bit. Yeah. That's, I, find an outlet so if this
1: stuff's in your head, find a place that you can let it out safely. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's pretty much it. That's pretty wild. <laughs> you could have picked probably one of those and just got into crazy detail. Oh,
1: whatever. <clears throat> but that was good. And it was to the point. It was? I stuck with it.
0: Yeah. You it, said coworkers. The time limit is story I a story good. on coworkers I am, thoroughly, I am. I am not making this up. I am thoroughly impressed Thank with your, your time management and your story delivery. And you know what? I can
1: only get better. And I'm making an effort. I'm doing all this voice stuff. Tell me what. Listen, you get your headphones on? I got them on, yeah. How do I sound? Like Chris. Do I sound better than last time? You sound okay, yeah. I've been reading things out loud dramatically to Ginny at home. That poor dog. She doesn't seem to listen. So, but I get I, I really worked it. up about it and like I'll flail my arms around and mostly the result. Though today I feel pretty good, is that I lose my voice and can't talk the rest of the day.
0: I did it yesterday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a lot of like voice actors and just actors and people who speak a lot have to do therapy with their voice. I am, no, I'm trying to find an app for it. Mm-hmm. I think there's sprays you can get too. Like a, like chloroseptic? Kind of, something similar, yeah. Really? Yeah. What's it do? It makes it so you can speak better. Hmm. I talk good. Did you just take some? I talk good. You hear me? I got my throat spray. Don't get me doing the southern thing. Why not, friend? I'm done. I'm not Why, doing that. Lord. Lordy, lordy. Look at this little boy over here having a good old grand time at his podcast with his neighbor friend. That's the. That's irritating. Why? That's, 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 am I like southern hillbilly or am I just like... I don't know southern accents. I'm well,
1: I'm, so the guy I'm listening to right now does it very well. And he's some touchy subjects because he mm-hmm. can do black, he can do white, he can do young, he can do old. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't sound, you know, obnoxious like when I do it.
0: Well, yeah, because you probably just go into like the super like racist Stoop. stereotype. Yeah. And people have said that we have accents. I can't tell. I can't hear it. I know because we live together and have a western New York accent.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So those were great. That was a good story. Thank I, you. All right. So I believe that concludes the show. Uh, close it out here real quick. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, it's you guys who really help the show out. Be sure to follow us at Instagram and Facebook at Tough Shit the Podcast. Easy to find. You can find our beautiful faces with their angelic voices to match. <laughs> My fucking nose right now looks like a cartoon
1: nose. I've had pimples on it all weekend. I keep popping them, and it gets I know. bigger and redder every
0: time I do. I know you. You look like a, uh, like a uh, Nazi propaganda poster. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, that was racy. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. All right. So be sure you're following. Check us out. Spotify, Apple, Pandora. You know, wherever you get podcasts. Um, and again, stay tuned. We got some, uh, stuff in the works, so we'll be talking to you about that. Hopefully next week we're planning on. And other than that, do you have anything else to add before we close this out there, Christopher? Mr. Fuck. No. I had a ton of stuff in my head when I was in the shower mm-hmm. and now it's all gone.
1: So I think, I, said, <laughs> I think I, I probably said enough. Let me just one second. Okay. Let me just a hundred percent clarify. Yes. I don't condone
0: workplace shootings. All right. <laughs> I
1: don't want anybody to kill anybody, okay?
0: Yeah. You probably should have started with that. Huh. Because <laughs> <laughs> usually by now, people have turned off the show. So. Oh, okay. So nobody's listening to anyway. Yeah. No, I'm done. All right. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. And be sure to check us out on all the socials and all that BS. So we'll see ya. Oh, wait. Goodbye for now. Wait, no, that's what you say. Yeah, that's what I say. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, bye for now.